0: Welcome to the Breakthrough Advisor podcast. In this podcast, we inspire advisors with ideas and pathways to break through barriers and build a thriving retirement income business. We will interview innovative technology developers, business leaders, and successful advisors, then help you organize and execute these ideas to move your business forward.
1: Good afternoon and welcome to the Breakthrough Advisor podcast. My name is Jack Martin. Uh, I have the privilege of serving as the virtual CMO for InsureMark. Uh, Today, we've got Jeffrey Levine with us. Uh, We're going to ask the hammer what's going on with taxes. Jeffrey, welcome
0: aboard. Thanks for having me, Jack. I appreciate it.
1: So uh, we're sitting here still a little bit early in, the, in, the, in 2022. Uh, what are you hearing uh, about the tax situation? You know, at the end of last year, the rumble was all about the build back better and all that tax stuff. And so the, the, the drumbeat seemed to have calmed down a little bit. So what, what are you hearing? What's going on with taxes this year?
0: Yeah, well, it is a really good question. And actually, uh, you know, late last year, even though it didn't happen, it seemed really likely that we were going to get some sort of tax legislation. You know, it's one of those things where you roll the dice and uh, sometimes it comes up uh, your numbers and sometimes it doesn't. And last year, it, it, the odds were in favor of us getting legislation last year. This year, it's really about a 50-50 proposition. Uh, and, and obviously that makes things incredibly difficult for financial advisors to plan with, et cetera. But there are really two sides of this coin. One is you have uh, you, you have a Joe Mansion uh, in particular, but also Kristen Cinema, but Joe Mansion in particular has, uh, his relationship with a number of key uh, Democrats has really soured last year. There was a lot of turmoil uh, and name calling kind of behind the scenes. Some of my some of my friends in Washington who I was speaking with said that, uh, you know, it was particularly uh, ugly. You know, there's a lot of animus going on there. And when it spilled over into the public domain, that really put things up to another level. So getting everybody kind of back to the table and willing to agree might be very difficult. Now, on the other hand, the fact that Democrats didn't move a bill through last year when they had control of Congress. Uh, is it, There's no objective way to look at this other than they really have egg on their face. There was a lot of priorities. The administration put a lot of resources in uh, behind Build Back Better, both political capital as well as actual resources, and it didn't go anywhere. And so there is a desire on the part of many to see what can be salvaged here before year end. So from an advisor point of view, it's going to be a let's wait and see what happens. But in all likelihood, if we do get that sort of build back better, it's going to be an even more watered down version than what we had before, which candidly was already a watered down version from what was originally proposed by the administration.
1: So, what kinds of things uh, should an advisor be thinking about this year that are different than they were last year from a tax perspective? What what uh, the cards is they're dealt now? What yeah, should we I, be looking at?
0: Well, we're still in a low tax environment, and uh, that will likely continue to be the case throughout the uh, the rest of this year. We're almost certainly not going to be going back up to a. Uh, a 39.6% tax rate anytime soon, our capital gains taxes are unlikely to be changing. So all of those were really very much up in the air throughout the better part of 2021. Uh, But this year in 2022, we can be pretty confident that those are going to remain the same, uh, at least through the end of this year, if not further. So taking advantage of that low tax environment is, is something that I'm a big believer in. You know, if we look and just say, All right let's imagine they don't get anything through well democrats still effectively get a lot of what they were hoping for in a few years it just takes a little bit longer right they've just got to run out the clock so to speak because in 2025 at the end of that year many of the tax cuts in fact nearly all of them that are on the individual side of the tax code expire and we go back to the pre-tcja levels and what's important to note about that is you know, overwhelmingly, Americans saw lower taxes as a result of the TCJA. And some of the things that are uh, misconceptions out there, like, oh, people in high tax states, they they ended up worse because they lost their SALT deductions. That's not true on average. Some people did lose out on SALT deductions, but a lot of those people weren't getting them anyway because of AMT or other reasons. If you look at the numbers on uh, across all quintiles of income so from the lowest income filers to the highest income filers on average every quintile saw a reduction in uh, in taxes as a result of the tax cut and jobs act similarly even in high tax states like in New York and New Jersey in California etc on average taxpayers saw lower tax bills after the tax cut and jobs act now of course there's always outliers but figure three-quarters of folks roughly saw lower tax bills as a result of those changes. Well, it stands to reason that if changes occurred, that meant three-quarters of people had lower tax rates because of those changes. Well, if those changes go away, three-quarters of people We'll have higher taxes going forward than we have right now. So we're still likely in this low tax rate environment where things like Roth conversions or capital gain harvesting or uh, choosing whether to accelerate certain deductions for business purposes. Uh, you know, there's we have bonus depreciation, for instance, right? That's still in kind of effect in the law now. You got to ask yourself, do you want to take that bonus depreciation or not? Uh, you know, just something like that as a discussion point with a client, because in a client's mind, having you know a lower tax bill this year is a great thing, right? It's like, oh, I, I took more depreciation this year. This is great. my tax bill is lower. Well, the reality is the winner of the tax planning game is not the person who has the lowest tax bill this year. It's the person who has the lowest lifetime tax bill. And anything you do to lower taxes this year might have a, uh, a negative impact on, on future years, right? It's, it, you could use the Roth conversion as an ideal example. You can pull taxes into this year. That materially increases your tax bill. But if it saves you money long term because you think your tax rate might be higher down the road, it ends up being the right decision. And so there's a lot of things like that that we can uh, work with clients on. Timing income. When do we push and when do we pull the income and deduction levers to really help them have a lower lifetime tax bill, which is at the end of the day, who wins that game.
1: So um, let's, uh, let's unpack this just a little bit more. So sure. we're still in historically low rates okay, mm-hmm. relative to the last 70 or 120 years, or however you want to look at it. Um, and and now you start to look at, as you said, the expiration uh, of those Trump tax cuts, plus the inherent pressure that we're seeing from inflation, government spending, etc. None of those things typically translate into lower taxes. They typically mean higher taxes, right? That's that's
0: correct. Yeah, and just so about everything is pointing towards <laughs> higher taxes.
1: Yes, we're heading north on taxes. Mm-hmm. The, the The so so if, we're talking a lot to our advisors about taxes and retirement and in that vein you touched on roth conversions are there other steps people should be taking to create to accelerate income or to create tax free income in that in those retirement years should we be concerned that when we have that johnny paycheck moment and and retire like the uh, you know 3.5 million people who did in the last 18 months that our tax rates are not going to go down in retirement as we, as we've been told
0: all these years. Yeah 100% we should be concerned about that. And and, and frankly the cross section of americans that are served by financial advisors you know, tend to be a little bit more affluent, a little bit higher income on average than your quote unquote typical or average American. And so those individuals are at greater risk of seeing their tax rates rise in retirement. They are victims of being great savers, right? Their whole life they've been told save, 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 save. And either they weren't uh, told about Roth accounts or they didn't have access to Roth accounts while they were working or they just didn't think it was right at the time, many individuals today still have vast portions of their wealth tied up in traditional IRAs, traditional 401ks, et cetera. And I get it, You know, writing that check to the government when you can get a lower tax bill this year uh, because of a deduction to an IRA or a 401k salary deferral, it feels good in the year, right? There's like that immediate gratification but it does potentially create issues down the road. And so there's lots of things you can do, everything from you know figuring out early on whether you should have Roth or not, to uh, looking at social security, not just as a, a longevity play, but also as an income tax play. Because you know, if we think about the, the typical IRA or 401k distribution, every dollar of income that we take out of one of those accounts We'll generally increase our, our income by at least a dollar, right? In some cases more, thanks to things like the quote unquote tax torpedo, et cetera, right? But at least one dollar. Whereas with Social Security, in a worst case scenario, every dollar of Social Security is 15 cents on the dollar tax-free. And I know that doesn't sound like a whole lot, but you know, I would I would encourage everyone listening today to think about: like, what if 15% of every paycheck? You had earned while you were working had been tax free. Think of how much more money you would have had to spend in those years on, on family vacations, or you would have been able to save for retirement. Well, today a lot of retirements might last as long as you know working careers. Someone who's sixty five who starts taking Social Security or sixty seven could live, you know, thirty years plus, and you know they might have three decades of 15% or more tax-free checks from Social Security. So swapping out a dollar of income from an IRA with a dollar of income with Social Security is actually a tax-efficient move, not just a longevity protection move, but a a tax-efficient move as well. Gotcha. So, uh,
1: hey, folks, you're listening to the Breakthrough Advisor podcast, and we're here today talking with Jeffrey Levine about taxes and what's happening in 2022. And Jeffrey, we've been talking um, a lot about this low tax year and our feeling that taxes are going to rise in, in the next uh, few years. We've talked about Roth conversions and the wisdom of looking at that uh, you know, as an option for this year, planning around Social Security and so on. Um, one of the other areas that we hear a lot of advisors talking about is creating tax-free income using life insurance uh, and and using that as an income stream. So again, that's kind of a conversion thing, right? Taxable assets into tax-free. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, so um, I'll be quite candid. I I think it's a great strategy for a certain cross-section of individuals. I do, on the other hand, uh, see it abused or misused sometimes. Uh, by folks who are, are, are talking about tax savings to individuals who either don't have the time horizon to stick with an insurance policy over, you know, 10, 15 plus years, which is, you know, oftentimes where we see those benefits, or, um, or candidly, you know, or, or frankly, just people who are not in a tax situation where they really benefit from that, you know, the higher your tax rate, the more that becomes valuable, but for individuals with with high income tax rates, both now and in the future, and who have the predictable income that uh, that we know that they can fund those premiums year after year to take advantage of policy design, then uh, I think that's uh, I, I think it could be a, a, a really effective tool. And, and I think the other point to really hit on there is effective policy design, right? Because so many times you have the opportunity to. With certain policies, let's say, blend term, just as an example, right? I can blend term in and have more money go towards the cash value of the policy. Now obviously that impacts an agent's compensation a lot of times, et cetera. But I'm always of the opinion that you do write for that client. you will make more in the long run because that client will talk to you about you to, you know 10 other people. So effective policy design, coupled with targeting the right individuals, both tax situation-wise and um, income stream rise, I think it can be a really, really powerful tool and probably one that isn't used enough for high net worth folks.
1: Well said. Very well said. And uh, I think we all agree with you um, that uh, in the right person, for the right person, in the right circumstance, with the right policy, those can be uh, powerful options. So, um The processing delays. What's going on with the IRS? I mean, they just said they're going to stop sending out some of their dunning letters to people. What's going on there?
0: it's really bad uh, I don't I don't know we need a mole to go in we need, we need some, <laughs> it, it is really really well. I'll tell you you know as we sit here and um, you know record this today, I'm still waiting for my 2021 excuse me 2020 tax refund to come through. you know I, I filed now I filed an extension but I filed before the extended deadline so you know it, this is months and months and, and unfortunately, um, it's it's so bad. you've got people who are getting notices that they have to pay who have also received notices that the IRS has received their payment. it, it is it is horrendous. And just uh, recently, there was there there you know, reports and pretty good reporting that the IRS is actually much further behind on things than uh, than they had previously stated publicly. which if you ask any CPA, they will say, Oh really? No, duh! Right? Like this is like <laughs> this is not news. This is we, you're not surprising us here. Right? You know, it's a and, and so right now there's a lot of things that we should you know. First off, cash flow issues. People who are waiting on these refunds forever. You know, uh, fortunately, I'm I'm in a position where I'm not banking on that refund to cover my mortgage or you know my kid's school or food on the table. But not everybody is in the same position. That refund is is valuable to a lot of folks who are still waiting for it. So one of the things that even as advisors, you know, always looking at what does this mean you know, for us as advisors when talking to our clients? Well, one is there's probably even more of a reason to encourage people to file early if they have everything, right? The last thing you want is to have to file an amended return in this environment. But if you do have everything, filing early can, can help you to, to get that going so that there's not as much of a delay. But two, if you are entitled to a refund, let's think about what's the best way to use that refund do you want to for instance say send me a check or maybe we're better off just crediting that refund forward and using it to pay down estimated taxes for 2022 right that's what i'm telling a lot of people right now who are expecting a refund like hey i would not ask for that refund i would let it sit there it's already going to stay with the irs you might as well get credit for it for your estimated taxes this year and this way even if it takes them 11 months who cares? Because at the end of the day, you're just using it to pay down your 2022 estimates. So just little conversations like that can you know, help a, a client with their cash flow situation right now. It, it, people appreciate those sorts of little touches.
1: So um, I I know in talking to uh, a number of advisors that this area of tax planning causes them a little bit of anxiety because they don't want to cross over into being in the tax preparation business, right? Yeah. Um, and, and it also you know may put them uh, at odds with the client CPA. So I mean we're big fans of HolistaPlan. Kevin has done a great job of supporting our advisors who are using it, and so you awesome. know we like being able to analyze and. Be able to understand. But then, you know, you get that report and it says, here's 10 things you should be doing. uh, And maybe one or two of them weren't on the CPAs list. So how do you have those conversations? What advice do you give non-tax preparers about working in this income tax world?
0: Sure. Well, I think there's the first thing is always listen to your compliance departments and regulators, right? Like that's uh, goes first and foremost, you've got to follow corporate policies. If uh, your company tells you you can't do something, unfortunately, that's the way it is. Um, But beyond that, First is really understanding kind of the difference between tax planning, tax education, and tax advice, right? Like tax advice is much more in like formal tax advice is really, can I take this deduction? You know, does does this qualify as a conservation easement? Tax (laughs) advice, you know, is not, um, hey, if uh, if you do this donor advice fund this year, you'll get a deduction for X and you can use it to offset a Roth conversion, right? That's not really advice so much as it is tax planning, uh, which is which is very different. Now, if at all you're concerned, reaching out to the, uh, the tax professional is a, is a good way to go. If the client has a CPA or an EA or some other tax preparer that they work with, asking them for their opinion is always helpful. Uh, but you brought up an important point, which is sometimes, uh, in fact, many times, there are mistakes on a return. Uh, you know, it, it's almost like, those CPAs just rush to get everything done in a few months to meet some arbitrary deadline. You know, I I don't don't know why there's so many mistakes, but it's almost like they're hurrying to get everything done before this arbitrary deadline. Right. I, I, of course I, 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 I jest a little bit, but the reality is in other countries, there's a much longer deadline to, to complete your returns for prior years because there's so much going on. You know, we are, we are forcing CPAs to work night and day and everybody has their friend or their family member or, or their colleague who's a CPA and they don't see their kids for three months. I mean, it's ridiculous. Uh, so there are bound to be mistakes there, are things that are not uh, explored because CPAs just don't have the time. They're literally working against the clock. In those situations, and so it's not uncommon to find either mistakes or things that could have been done differently. And so, you know, the first when when reaching out or dealing with those situations, there are a few things that I always uh, that I always suggest advisors do. The first thing is, you know, obviously make sure you have your ducks in the row, right? You don't want to reach out to the CPA and and, and um, you know be a hundred percent wrong in the opposite direction. But assuming you're pretty confident about things, the first thing is uh, to just you know, to call the CPA without the client there, right? You, you want to reach out without the client on the phone. Now, sometimes a CPA won't talk to you. They say, we got to, you know, but if you can do this without the client, that is your best course of action. Because once the client gets on the phone, now everybody's got to cover themselves, right? Now it's not a conversation between two professionals trying to work things out for the best interest of a client. It's he said, she said, and we're trying to, everybody's trying to cover their own, you know what? So, if you can avoid having the client on the phone, that's helpful. The other thing is using what I sometimes call the magic words uh, at the end of whatever you say. So, for instance, let's just say uh, you, you're looking at a return for the previous year and um, Uh, you know, an HSA contribution wasn't reported, right? You helped the client make the HSA contribution. You're looking at the return. The return says, no, HSA contribution was made. And so, you know, it's a mistake. Well, reaching out to the CPA and going, hey, you made a mistake, bonehead, you know, that's probably (laughs) not going to be a great way to go. So instead, if you can get the CPA on the line and just say, you know, hey, I was reviewing so-and-so's return. And, you know, it's my understanding, at least I thought that usually HSA uh, contributions are reported on this line and -and so-and-so made this contribution last year. Um, Is that where it should go? What do you think? And and those last words are the keywords. What do you think, right? Because now, even if you are basically telling them that they made a mistake and here's how it's really supposed to be and you know and I know it, you know, saying what do you think is giving them at least that deference to say, all right, they're asking me my professional opinion, right? They're not saying they're better than me or smarter than me or trying to be adversarial. They're just, so those magic words at the end, What, whatever you say afterwards, like, isn't it supposed to be here and here and here and here and here? And wh- weren't they supposed to have this? What do you think? Like it just changes the whole character of the conversation. And so uh, I- I've, you know, it's something so small, but after speaking with advisors, it's one of the things that um uh, you know, I've heard comments like, "That was amazing." We always got into arguments before, and now we were actually accomplishing these things. That little change made all the difference in the world. So, you know, what do you think? Magic words, awesome.
1: So, a- as you're traveling around talking to advisors, um, what are the two or three most common questions you're getting right now?
0: Well, certainly, we address one already, which is what's going to happen. Uh, you know, what's what, what's going to happen from a tax code uh, perspective. Uh, the other thing that is is continually popular is in a similar vein, but maybe, uh, you know, same type of thing, also ice cream, but different flavor, uh, is what's going on with retirement legislation. There's kind of been uh, discussions over the last year or so of having a Secure Act 2.0, um, and, and that is likely to happen. In fact, uh, last year... And you know, listeners may may not believe this when I say this, but it's true. Uh, we got unanimous approval from the House Ways and Means Committee. Now that doesn't happen very often anymore. We don't have unanimous approval on much of anything these days, um, and yet unanimous approval and consent was there. Both uh, Chairman Neal as well as uh, Representative Brady have said that they want to move legislation forward this year. Uh, to me, this. Just reeks of something that's going to be done at the last minute after the elections and kind of a lame duck Congress session, you know. Maybe super end of the year Secure Act one, remember, was passed December twenty first of twenty nineteen and began to impact folks ten days later. So maybe we'll get eleven days to prepare this time. Who knows? (laughs) Um, But I I do see that still uh, on the horizon as well. Um, And beyond that, the other the other questions that are, are constantly coming up are like, how do we actually? Do this and implement this within our practice. You know, we want to. We we see what's going on. We're seeing the trends in the industry. Uh, we've got to do more. We've got to expand our offering. And in fact, that's really what the research has, uh, you know, has started to bear out. If we look at the fears of many advisors of seeing their fees compressed, really haven't seen it to the extent that a lot of folks predicted. But what we are seeing is that in order to support the same fee advisors are continually asked to do more than they were before. And some of that is taxes. Some of that might be looking at the bigger picture, incorporating insurance into planning where they weren't doing that before. Uh, Crypto is obviously a very hot topic today, even for those who are not necessarily looking to invest in it. They want to understand more about it. And, you know, I mean, anybody who watched the Super Bowl knows about crypto now, because I think every other ad in the Super Bowl was some sort of crypto advertisement. So those are the types of Things that we're continuing to see questions on, but uh, you know, one thing in the advisor world is there's never a shortage of things to to look at and be concerned about or uh, think about how we can improve for the future.
1: So let's dive into that last question, just a little bit deeper. The, um, how, how, how do you, by, to add more value to your practice, you think it makes sense to talk more about tax planning. So what, what, are, what are some best practices if I'm a financial advisor doing that? You know, what, what sort of things should I be thinking about and doing for my clients?
0: Yeah. So uh, you know, technology can obviously help with a lot of this, but uh, at a high level, I would say there are, there are two key things that you can be doing throughout the year. One is looking retrospectively, you know, helping clients understand what happened in previous years. As we talked about, tax season is a, um, a very busy time for CPAs. They don't often have the time to really sit down and review a return with a client to where they understand. A lot of times it's like walking out of the attorney's office, right? Where the client has a will and a trust and they don't really know what it says. They just know that they have one uh and so you know helping the client to understand that and you know you mentioned software before there's various software programs out there that can help to to analyze returns etc uh but you can also go back to the old days of you know taking your uh you know your your clear transparent copy and laying it over the 1040 and you know seeing what you find there whatever works for you obviously you know i have my preferences but uh but looking back and helping the client to really understand what was done last year, and what could be different for this year? And then that really dovetails into the second part, which is doing that proactive planning and and looking forward and saying, what can we do this year? And oftentimes the year in review, if you will, is done, you know, April, May, sometime after the return is done. If you have somebody on extension, it might have to get pushed out until later in the year. whereas the the tax planning, should largely be done later in the year. You know, probably October, November for a lot of folks. It doesn't mean you can't touch on things that you're thinking about earlier in the year sooner, but not everyone's income and deductions are well known in January or February, right? Uh, business owners, uh, those who work on on commissions or some type of sales bonuses, etc. They may have dramatically different income, or maybe your client decides to make large. Uh, charitable contributions in some years, but not others, or, you know, they're thinking about doing some sort of expensive surgery that they'll be able to have a deduction for, or whatever it may be, right? There there are income and deductions that vary dramatically. And by October, November, we tend to have a lot better sense of what things look like already for the current year. And so doing some sort of projection as to where things stand and then figuring out what do we tweak? You know, what do we do? Um, But just, you know, understanding the client's goals, right? That's the first thing, you know, is the client charitably inclined or not? Well, if they are, what's the best way to support that? If they're under 59 and a half, it might be, you know, using appreciated stock to donate to a donor advised fund every three years to bunch those contributions together and avoid tax on the capital gain. If they're over seven and a half, maybe we're switching to QCDs, but, you know, there are tax efficient ways about going uh, to, to solve whatever you know, issue the client wants? Are they concerned about legacy? Well, if they are, what's the best practice for us from a legacy perspective? Should we be looking at using life insurance as a legacy vehicle? Or um, is, are our clients very successful financially and our clients' children Maybe very successful, just not financially so. Maybe the client is a doctor, a high income, or was a high income, high net worth doctor, uh, and their child is a school teacher. Super successful in their own right in a life perspective, but not making three, four, or 500,000. If legacy is our concern, maybe we're steering less towards Roth conversions because if we preserve that IRA, more can be taken out at the kid's income tax rate who are much lower than mom and dad, right? So obviously mom and dad have to take their RMDs. We can't take less than that, but we don't have to accelerate perhaps with Roth conversions where if it's the opposite, You know, maybe mom and dad are in a much lower income tax situation and they're going to be leaving money to their child who is a a doctor, a lawyer, a high income financial advisor. Maybe we're looking at doing more of the Roth conversions and using mom or dad's, uh, you know, sorts of, uh, you know, low tax rate environment. At the end of the day, it's first, what's your goal and what are we trying to accomplish? And most advisors already know this about their clients. Um, And then, second, how do we use and and, uh, to a large degree, manipulate the tax code legally, of course, but uh, how do we change things around and use the tax code to our advantage to best accomplish those goals?
1: Good. Excellent. Excellent. All right. A lot to chew on. Thank you very much, Jeff. You're a very thorough job uh, as usual. I really appreciate it. Hey, folks, you've been listening to the Breakthrough Advisor podcast from InsureMark. We want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules to join us. Uh, We look forward to hearing you again. You check us out on any of your podcast platforms. You'll find us as Breakthrough Advisor podcast. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to the Breakthrough Advisor podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of InsureMark. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only.